Hello and welcome to Her Podcast, a reflection on the best bits Her Campus Bristol has to offer. I am your host, Dulcie Godfrey. Hi everyone, hope you're all doing okay in lockdown. Welcome to this week's episode on faith and feminism. To be entirely honest with you, I went into this topic quite sceptically. Kavya, who you'll hear from later, approached me with the idea to feature multi-faith week, and I thought it was a great idea, but I was slightly cynical. Although I wasn't raised practising religion, I went to Catholic school, which was dominated by patriarchy. My dad is Jewish, so I've been raised with Jewish culture throughout my life. None of these experiences with religion have coincided with the empowerment I experience from feminism. If anything, they have hindered it. However, I realise this is an incredibly limited view of religion. This is not an accurate representation of the importance of religion in people's lives, in women's lives and their own embodiment of feminism. There is so much I don't know about how religion and feminism correlate and people's experiences of that. It was time for me to find out more. I sat in on the Multifaith Network's panel Faith and Feminism. The event was chaired by Khadija Magari from the BME Network, Kavya Sharma from Multifaith Network, and the panellists included Shoshana Cohen from Jewish Society, Fatima Abdul Salam from Black Muslim Society, Miriam Isaacs from Catholic Society, and Janvi Kanetti from Hindu Society. What impressed me most about all the panellists was how vehemently they celebrated their religion, how joyfully they described their faith as a part of their identity as women and as feminists. They soberly discussed tensions between faith and feminism, many recognising that feminism and their personal faith are not normally associated or seen to coexist. Many hoped to change this narrative, and Fatima and Shoshana particularly talked extensively about the pushback they experienced being women of faith and voicing their feminism. Shoshana interestingly considered that many misogynistic elements that may be seen in Jewish religious practices often come from social and historical traditions, rather than from the religion itself. Fatima brought her own perspective on this, relating how often it is cultural factors that allow religion to be taught and practiced in a specific way, and perhaps these need to be reconsidered and talked about across all religions. Each gave beautifully eloquent accounts of how their faith interacts with their feminism, often strengthening it, sometimes challenging it. I particularly enjoyed Janvi's points around opening dialogues and the diversity of thought religion brings to feminism, and Miriam's dedication to the Virgin Mary as her feminist icon made me laugh, and demonstrated the joy faith and feminism can bring together. Overridingly, the notion of opening conversations within all faiths about the principles of the feminist movement were discussed openly. It is a personal journey to practice faith and feminism, and it is important to remember the incredibly exclusionary nature of the first waves of feminism that have excluded women of faith across history, rather than the religion itself preventing its followers becoming feminists. To delve deeper into this subject, I talked to Kavya Sharma, who is one of the chairs of the panel I just talked about, and president of the Multifaith Network. I wanted to hear more of her perspective and more about what the Multifaith Network is and does. I'm Gavia. Um, I'm the chair of Multifaith Network this year, and I'm also the careers editor for her campus. From, from where from where I stand, I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding on what faith is because I think people think of faith as some kind of quite a strict orthodox background but to be honest my background isn't that at all like my mum hasn't really got faith my my dad believes in faith but doesn't really believe in religion but I've been brought up from this kind of religious background so I think it's just trying to widen the scope of and um, people who we defend because multi-faith overlaps with racism it overlaps with not understanding certain tolerances for other cultures and also if you're not aware of someone else's culture then 
you might microaggressions and yeah. um, other other behaviour it gives rise to that. So my main um, aim this year is to fight the prejudice and discrimination that lots of students do face because of misconceptions about their background and their and their history and their culture. So we're just working with other networks to campaign with the SU to educate the student population. Full disclosure, you did approach me and be like, I think this would be a good episode and I totally agreed. So why do you think faith and feminism isn't important to talk about? There's a lot of misconceptions about both faith and feminism. And there's two big words and big concepts that I've kind of been brought up with throughout my whole life. And I'm still trying to come to terms with what, what they both actually mean. And through Interfaith last week, it was, a, it was a big topic. We were talking about what it means to be a woman of faith and also a feminist and whether those two things are compatible. So let's take the first one first. So with faith, talking about myself for a moment, is that I was brought up for in a in a Hindu household, but I didn't see my my um, understanding of faith as the same as everybody else because I didn't really understand it myself. I knew that you know faith meant that you believed in a god, but but then at the same time I saw all these rituals and things that my family and my grandparents were doing, which I didn't really know if I agreed with. And then I also see myself as a feminist, trying to you know I'm a huge advocate for equality and completely against any prejudice and discrimination that that women do face um but then I found as I was growing up I while my parents both said you know you can do anything you want to do my grandparents would then be like yes but you need to make sure you're modest you need to make sure that you are not as outspoken and you need to make sure that you conform to all these all these different things and that's something that I think needs to be talked about more because it's, it can't just be me who's struggling with these two different concepts and trying to understand what they mean. Um, so it was quite nice having an open conversation with so many other students last week and um, highlighting a few of them in our Faith and Feminism panel event on Thursday. Yes, I was going to say that panel was really, really interesting and I really enjoyed every minute of it. And I was very sort of so like intrigued to find out how people approach their faith and their feminism and the challenges that like inevitably will bring up how do you face those challenges and how maybe does that play into your into the multi-faith network and how you open these dialogues i think my look at the multi-faith network is kind of not from someone who comes from a very strict faith background um and i think that that gives me a level of kind of understanding about the the contemporary issues that students of faith may face um, but then also coming from uh, a background where in my family we have people from from different from different faith backgrounds as well, and seeing how the, how those interact, and that there are certain prejudices between different backgrounds that I never really understood. Um, and then adding to that, I study philosophy and theology, so I'm kind of used to taking a step back and looking at different religious cultures and trying to come up with an opinion. And while that opinion is always changing and always kind of moulding into something else, it it kind of helps me understand more about myself and what I believe in and what I don't believe in. I think there's definitely this huge misconception that everyone knows what their faith is and everyone kind of has a sense of what they believe, which I think is true, but from my experience, like I've I've definitely changed so much back to when I was living at home and had my opinions of my parents and my grandparents and everyone I surrounded myself with and then kind of becoming more of myself and realising what my values are. You know, there are there are so many ways in which you can look at the multi-faith network, but I think from my my take on the multi-faith network is just defending the the beliefs, the the voice of students who come from faith backgrounds and faith identities, 
um, because it's it's a really big group of people. But I just think there's it's so important to have a space on campus for everyone to feel like they can just be open and say what their experiences are, no matter where on the faith spectrum you are. And I just think it's really interesting and, and, and a really important conversation to have with politics and everything that's going on in the current world. Yeah, I agree. I think it's always interesting if you're coming from a secular point of view to have those faith perspectives as well just it opens up context and dialogues and cultures I think that's yeah I think that's a very important thing you're doing just to play into this challenge thing a little bit more I wanted to know about things like very contentious issues like things like abortion and like sexuality and queer identity how do those play into people's feminism and their faith I don't know it's a really interesting question I think it depends on the person that you ask whereas from from my perspective you know I'm I'm a human rights campaigner at the end of the day, so I think that every woman has a choice. I think that we should fight, wave the flag for awareness about issues like it's Trans Awareness Week. I think we need to speak about these things. Every human has dignity. Every everyone has the right to freedom of speech, freedom of liberties, freedom to believe and say what they want without fear of persecution. But then, when you talk to other people who come from different backgrounds then their opinions may may be different and I think that's definitely something that is often taken out of context when we're talking about when we're trying to apply faith to more contemporary issues like like uh, like abortion for example um and I think again it goes back to where you where you sit on that faith spectrum there are students like like even on the faith and feminism panel we we, we saw um a huge range of beliefs on what what people how people thought faith and feminism were compatible it it depends on how you practice your faith i think is what i definitely understood from from the way students were talking some students and um, people um follow the letter of scripture word for word and they have been brought up practicing that and and that's okay um but then i think there definitely is a gray area when it comes to talking about these contemporary issues because if you come from a background where you've always been told that you should be pro-life, not pro-choice, then then that's um, something that they've, they've got to try and come to terms with and form an opinion of. I, I just think it really depends on where you sit. But I think as long as and have free speech and all these things, but when it turns into hate speech mm. and when it turns into limiting other other people, that's where I personally have an issue with it. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a misconception that, that there is. But yeah, I think it really depends on the person. Yeah, I agree. I think from the panel the overriding sort of message or like sort of thought was that you can balance your faith and feminism is in that like it's your personal practice your personal experience and I think things like Shoshana and Fatima especially were saying it's normally sort of the way religion historically and socially has been practiced rather than the text itself so there's a lot of like grey area as you said that's an interesting conversation to have I think I definitely want to just challenge the misconception that that I've definitely noticed on on campus conversations that um, coming from a background of faith means that you have some kind of backward thinking and it's not compatible with daily life and things that people want to do and pursuing certain careers and certain passions Um, and I think I just want to reinforce the the message that there, there is no space for prejudice and discrimination and if you have some kind of stereotype about someone from a certain background then it's on you not the person of faith to educate yourself and that's definitely me echoing the frustrations of a few students I've spoken to in that 
walking around campus sometimes you feel like certain people have certain conceptions of you or you know I've definitely found this like from in terms of in terms of racism um but you may have you, you may think that people think a certain thing about you and they approach you differently um and this is where microaggressive behavior and things like that comes in which are which are seemingly small issues but confess that and really upset the individual and it's just understanding that we are currently in a world of you know instant news instant knowledge very biased news and very biased knowledge depending on where you look and it's on the student population i think as individuals to to educate themselves and understand different people's beliefs and different cultures and not assume um and i think assumption is definitely something that is a challenge um, that, that we all face. Like we definitely all have unconscious bias. I'm not denying that at all. But um, it's just something that we need to we need to have feel like we can have these conversations more openly, just so everyone can have a, a better understanding on the different things that different people face. Yeah, I think you know being conscious of your prejudices is the first step to facing them. Yeah, for sure, it's very important. Exactly. Anything you want to plug? Any event or just things? I'll put all the socials down and stuff. I think one thing I just want to plug is that if you come from a shoot, if you come from a faith background or faith identity, then you're eligible to join the network. Um, you don't have to be part of a faith society. You don't have to even know what your faith is. Um, we've got members of um, of the network so far who come from sort of less institutionalised religion and more spiritual faiths. Um, so it's a space for everyone, it's a safe space and there are many things that you can get involved with. But yeah, I'm, I just look forward to seeing more students and um, more people come forward and just have more open conversation really. The Multi-Faith Network can be found on Facebook and on Instagram at Bristol Multi-Faith. Both of those links will be in the show notes below. Welcome to the I Tried It section of this podcast, My Favourite Thing To Do. Before we continue with this week's topic, I want to update you on some progress I've been making. My options are slightly limited due to a national lockdown, but that is certainly not going to stop me. Abigail Woodcock wrote a fitness piece for her campus Bristol about how to stay fit during lockdown. Abigail gives great advice from Instagram workouts to home workout plans, but I settled on her instruction to do yoga. Now, for disclosure, I actually do quite a bit of yoga already. I enjoy it and all its benefits. However, what I really struggle with within yoga is meditation. I have the intention span of a fly. I'm fidgety. My brain moves at 300 miles an hour. I'm easily distracted. Even when I'm just lying there and breathing, that's all you have to do. I really struggle. So in the spirit of my journalistic integrity, I meditated for 15 minutes a day for five days. And after each session, I wrote a little note about how it went. Day one, unbearably itchy nose was a major distraction, spent the whole time trying to decide whether to itch it or not. Day two, no itchy nose, but my mother called me halfway through, thought something terrible had happened, turned out she just went to the dentist. Day three, much improved. However, toward the end, I had Wendy Williams singing Native New Yorker in my head, but I felt refreshed and focused afterwards. Day four, managed the whole thing without any interruptions. Then I wrote an essay and it was all gibberish. I think I need five minutes to wake up afterwards. Day five, I can now sort of meditate for 15 minutes. I feel focused and positive after, and importantly, I can sort of function as well. I will try and keep it up. 
Now, I haven't done it since, but this podcast will hold me accountable for my actions. Next, I spoke to Fatima, President of Black Muslim Society and one of the speakers on the Faith and Feminism panel. I thought Fatima spoke brilliantly and wanted to hear more of what she had to say. And this being Islamophobia Awareness Month, these conversations about feminism and its intersections are even more important. Hi, my name is Fatima Abdul Salam. I'm the Black Muslim Society president as well as a second year law student. And I'm really excited to be here. Just on yeah. the back of what you um, what we talked you talked about in the panel, which I thought was so good. I thought you were very like funny and eloquent. I just wanted to get different perspectives and hear more from you about how you personally coexist your faith and your feminism. Okay. Well, that's a very interesting one. Cause I think with with that it comes more to the like day-to-day things so um it's the little things basically i think for me it's about viewing my role in life kind of sometimes through faith um because then that leads you to channeling your feminism if that makes sense um but generally they both just play along So, you know, you have moments where you do question your feminism um, due to, like, aspects of your faith. But then I feel like they both, like, interrelate and they both play good alongside each other. Yeah, there's nothing, like, really systematic about it. It's just more of a... It just goes with the flow, really. Yeah. Because I feel like once you hold one, you hold the other, regardless. And so... I guess off the back of that, that's that's such a nice outlook to have. So I want to talk about how, if you have tensions between your faith and feminism, how do you approach those and how do you deal with those? So I usually tend to go back to the reason why I would have the tension. So if it comes to a case, for example, where people feel like the headscarf is limiting, um, it's not, you know, something that empowers a woman or something like that, I tend to go back to the reason why I should wear a headscarf and why I should not reason why the community should and I think once you find that reason there is less of a friction because then you can actually verify you know whether it does contradict your feminist side or whether it does strongly uphold your feminist side and for like using the example of the headscarf you know people do tell you like they would outright tell you this is very this is a very restrictive thing. Why should you wear it? You know, you should be more open. But it is my choice. And I think that choice alone is something like a lot of feminists or a lot of people tend to remove and they only see one side of the picture. And that's why um, I think intersectional feminism plays such a big role in society because it does include women of faith and women of colour. And a lot of the times the reason why you can't see you know, or why you would find these contradictions is because in the liberal feminism, the first waves of feminism, generally, they did not include women of faith and women of colour. So what their ideology held would be against, you know, a woman of faith, because that way then it's telling her that everything that she's doing is basically wrong. But um, within sectional feminism, it lets you live your own type of feminism based off of your own story. So generally when there is a contradiction between my faith and my feminism, I tend to go back to the reason why um, I find this contradiction or the kind of, you know, the basis for me to do this or the basis for me not to do this. 
and then that way you either find the you know middle ground or you find that okay maybe it doesn't even contradict or you do find that it does contradict and then with that i guess you just have to either pick one or the other because i guess it wouldn't always be 100% you know that's really interesting i'm going to come back to the headscarf and the sort of and the modesty issue but i actually wanted to pick up what you were saying about intersections it's islamophobia awareness month and i thought it was yes, important it. to highlight in this episode um, where do you see, and maybe where does your society, uh, Black Muslim society, find the intersections between Islamophobia and misogyny? Do you have personal experiences of that? How do you approach that? I think being visibly a woman of faith, the way they say it, it's just like, you can clearly tell that they're trying to fit both together and give you a full package yeah. <laughs> and shove it in your face. Um, and being outrightly Muslim, like, I wear a headscarf daily, you you know, walking out, people, that's the first thing they see. And that's the first thing they would recognize because that is their kind of out, outward look of you. So automatically, like I mentioned in, during the um, Faith and Feminism talk, people then tend to give you a label even before they speak to you. And that is when you realize that things like um, Islamophobia and misogyny jump out quickly because once they start having conversations with you and these are personal experiences that I've had is that even before people have had conversations with me I realized that in their head they see me in a certain way and that's it and that's closed off they see me as an oppressed you know woman of faith who does not know her rights who can't stand for herself you know who's just basically blindly following whatever and that might be someone else's truth but that isn't mine and I think people need to stop judging before listening because not everyone has the same story like we can't all be put in a box because of our faith or because um of our uh because we're women it kind of then erases someone's reality because once um someone uses that as their like automatic you know starting point they then don't see other things that i can tell them or they they automatically you know, brush aside things that I can tell them. And I remember when I was in school, that used to happen a lot, <laughs> like a lot, because you would have conversations with people and you would be saying the same thing over and over again, but they just can't see it because they've already put you in a box. And it's just like, you're basically talking, you're talking to a wall at that point. So you then give up and you're just like, you know what? It is society, which is quite sad, but then you're just like... I can't live my truth fully because people have refused to accept that truth, Where, be it as a woman or um, Muslim. Um, and I guess it's, it's quite sad, but, you know, both do tend to interplay. And I think a lot of the times both, um, for me, are always present um, when someone is trying to be one or the other. Yeah, you know, facing that, you have to see it as an intersection. It would be useless to see them as separate issues. And then, so coming back to this issue of wearing the headscarf and being recognisably, visibly a woman of faith. I was listening recently to the radio and someone was talking about it and I cannot, for the life of me, find where that was. But it was really good and it was it was um, off the back of um, Rihanna apologising for using a song inappropriately in her Fenty show. Um, and yes. just a sort of a discourse about fashion and Islam and modesty. So what, what insight do you have into that? First of all, the first challenge you would have um, as a modest woman in today's society is that you wouldn't find clothing that you can wear, basically, because 
society is at a point where you know it's more there is this um outlook where modesty is more outdated so um and again it is the thing of people forgetting that this is someone else's choice um and this is what they want to you know this is how they want to dress and this is what they want to do with their lives so like finding things to wear first of all is very hard shopping is a task which honestly i think i've given up at this point but on a wider scale it is a thing of also people again don't see it as a choice they see it more of you're obliged to do it and no they don't see it as i chose to do this and personally i chose to you know wear a headscarf and dress modestly but now like you can see a trend within fashion of that picking up again so you can see that within like brands you can see that within influencers that that has now then picked up to become like a socially acceptable thing which is good um to say the least but again it does still mean that a lot of them don't do it truly so a lot of people include these modest um uh, let's say for example models that wear the headscarf they include it for because of society they don't actually include it because they believe in or they believe in her choice to do it or her choice to wear a headscarf they do it because society has said oh my god now we can accept these women so it is a bit of a battle with how i view it of whether it is an honest um outlook or whether it would be a thing that would fade again over time but i'm glad generally that now you know people have have accepted this because that then makes it more comfortable for us women in society to not feel like we're constantly being questioned about why we dress a certain way or why we wear certain things um and why we do not wear certain things because that again is something a lot of people do is question why you don't wear certain things and it's just generally you know one should be questioned because of what they choose to wear when it doesn't harm anyone else um and it, i think it comes to also you know it ties so well with feminism if we're looking at the idea of letting a woman be free and giving her the choice socially politically economically that plays such a huge role because when you're not being given the choice and you're being basically erased from one aspect of your life that plays such a big role that can then can have a big impact on someone's life um that i think people don't generally see yeah that's that's kind of what really interesting what i've been trying to get out of this is that maybe the notion that modesty empowers some women some women and not others and feminism is their right to choose that and make their own decisions yeah but i think yeah the wider narrative of fight against prejudice is there is there anything you want to talk about or bring up or have a platform for? Um, and not one thing that i i do want to say for like women of faith and women of color in intersectional feminism is i think lately intersectional feminism has been boxed from its actual true meaning and what has happened is you know even for women of faith for example for a muslim woman like me um when you're looking for you know faith and islam i'm sorry feminism and islam you tend to find it steers itself to arab women generally and it doesn't actually then encompass you know a black muslim woman like me it is very it has been become restricted and it has become boxed in a sense that it is now going back to the way the first and second wave of feminism was where there were women that were still left out of 
the movement and I do strongly believe that feminism for a woman of faith or a woman of color is based on an individual because once you group it as a society it removes people and it removes certain of people where their intersection stems um, from more than like two groups you have women who can fit into multiple groups and then can't be accepted into one intersectionality because one intersectionality means one and two and that's it but then they have multiple others which then when they're sat in conversations they can't bring up because they are being fit into the society and they're being as a, as a general like um community rather than an individual so i i just wanted to add that feminism for a woman of faith or a woman of color or a woman with a disability does tend to become more it, it is more of an individual basis than it would be anything um do you anything you want to plug on the podcast or promote uh just to you know follow the black muslim society socials our instagram check us out on the bristol su um website uh we have interesting things coming up also just to look out for the rest of the events on Islamophobia Awareness Month. You can find the Black Muslim Society on Facebook and Instagram at Bristol underscore BMSOC. The link to the SU website will be in the show notes below. Remember to look out for Islamophobia Awareness Month events coming up and in the past. Sex, sexuality, porn, relationships and more. I was recently reminded how her campus Bristol writers have so much valuable insight into these topics. Orla McHale's Embracing Your Bisexuality piece beautifully and eloquently voices the challenges of discovering your own sexuality and navigating coming out. Orla talks about facing internalised homophobia head-on and validating your own feelings and fantasies as authentic to you. Orla also has brilliant pieces about ethical porn and Evelyn Heiss really interestingly talks of finding your attachment style to improve your relationships. Reading these pieces got me thinking, and after a chat with Mila and Orla, the sex and relationships editors at Her Campus Bristol, we have decided to begin a dialogue. Ask Her will be a new segment in which questions and advice can be aired, both here on the podcast and written for Her Campus Bristol. Questions and queries can be anonymously sent over social media, emailed in, or commissioned as articles for Her Campus. Then, someone who has something important to say, or thinks they can give advice, will be able to give feedback. So, send your questions in, look out for opportunities to answer back, and be involved in this important and interesting new venture. Keep up to date by checking out her podcast Instagram at her podcast Bristol and also her campus's Instagram at her campus Bristol. You have been listening to her podcast with your host, Dulcie Godfrey. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it really means a lot if you could share or tell a friend so more people can get involved. Stay up to date with the podcast on Instagram at HerPodcastBristol. Please send in any questions or ideas you want to see on the podcast or people you think would be really cool to have. Or you can just message me personally. I'm on Facebook and all the things. Stay up to date with Her Campus on Instagram, her at HerCampusBristol for updates and events. All the societies and events mentioned are listed in the show notes below. Thanks for listening.